Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Welcome to our broadcast here on Friday night, February 16th, 2018. Brother Brian, the mic is yours. Welcome aboard. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. It's good to be here, Shannon. This is uh, Brother Brian here again. Going to give you a couple of messages, and we'll go ahead and get started here. So, Brother Shannon, have you heard from Jerome yet? Yes, sir. I got the text, and uh, he wants to come on next week. Is that right? Yeah, well, you'll come on next week. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so I just found out a few things with Brother Jerome. He was going, uh, he went to a small little community community called Wapala up there and had a fantastic meeting up there. I think he got about, about 12 or so people got saved. And it was, again, you know, the Lord's moving. It's just great to see those things. Amen. Yes. Praise God. He's doing a great work. And folks... Um, it's a uh, it's a good thing to be involved with the First Nations people. Yeah, so we look forward to next week to have Brother Jerome on. Just want to make sure people under know, know that, and we'll go ahead and get started here. All right. So anyway, um, just want to just uh, make a few announcements here, real quick. Um, people who want to contact me, my website is AfterHoursMinistries.com, and also that's a my email address to contact me is Brian B R Y A that's B R Y A N M E L V I N number one at Gmail dot com. That's Brian Melvin number one at Gmail dot com. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I just want to make that out. A uh, little another brief announcement. I'm the author of A Land Unknown, Hell's Dominion. And tonight we're going to be teaching on spiritual warfare, because it's a subject that seems to be ignored in so many places in the church world. So let's go ahead and get going here. I'll open up with a word of prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, that you'll just open the minds and the hearts of the hearers and the people here listening to get to know you better and better each and every day. And Lord, we just ask you that you'll set people free tonight, that you'll give them answers that they've been longing for, that you open up opportunity for them and break off the shackles that they find themselves under and the burdens they're under will be removed tonight in Jesus name you know brothers and sisters is there an area of your life where you're powerless against you ever feel like you're powerless Jesus says if the son sets you free you will be free indeed in John chapter 8 verse 36 you come to Christ and ask if I'm really free, then why am I still in bondage to lust, sin? What's this roller coaster ride that I find myself under, it seems like? Why am I feel so oppressed? Where's this freedom I'm thinking about? Well, I read about what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 36, that if he sets you free, you're free indeed. But, uh, you know, why do I feel so oppressed? Why do I have the bad thoughts? Why do I still have the terrible feelings? What is this struggle with sin that goes back and forth like a seesaw? What is this, you wonder? Can a Christian be oppressed after they are saved? Can they be possessed? What's going on in my life? Why do I struggle so much? Didn't Jesus say, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed? Well, folks, i got to tell you a couple of things real quick here. There's a problem. It's called spiritual warfare. It's a problem we have. There's also why we have some great spiritual war is that there are demons out there, brothers and sisters of God. C.S. Lewis said this, that the devil loves the skeptics and the superstitious. You know, folks, demons are real, and C.S. Lewis was quite right. The devil loves the skeptic. Why does the devil love the skeptic? Because he doesn't believe that there's, that there's anything like spiritual warfare. They don't believe in demons. They don't believe. They just believe that you know they're 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 Christian skeptics. They don't believe that there are demons that people are actually struggling. They just tell you, oh, you're just saved by grace. You'll get over it. Everything will be all lollipops. All you need is another pep talk or something like that. But brothers and sisters, you know better. Your life seems to be falling apart. That's what these, you know, demons love the skeptics. They also love the superstitious. And why do they love the superstitious and the skeptics? Because the skeptics will say, hey, look at these, these superstitious Christians. They see a demon behind every bush, every tree there's a demon. There's some type of, uh, you know, over a balance of... of demonology they're just oh man they're just crazy you just uh. and so you know you got overly superstitious people um who who are just very superstitious and the devil loves them and he, he pokes fun of them and the com- comedians make fun of them and so in the meantime the whole world lasts because of skeptics skeptics and superstitious people who are way extreme over the things brothers and sisters and so nobody pays attention that they are real demons out there let me tell you another thing. You can't counsel a demon. You can't meditate. You can't medicate one to make you make it forget you. You just simply can't give it a bunch of medicine and, and hope the demon will be medicated enough and it'll leave you alone. And you can't counsel a demon away. They'll chatter incessantly about their problems. You can't disciple a demon or cast out the flesh, as Jack Hayford says. Demons 
let me tell you where they came from because people don't even believe in demons and people go oh here we go brother brian's going off the deep end talking about spiritual warfare and demons here we go again there goes the skeptics and i gotta i gotta tell you i'm not a superstitious person who sees a demon behind every tree bush and blade of grass i just know they're real because i see the effects in people's lives that's why they're feeling bondage and feel like their life is going nowhere and they feel feel like they're on this roller coaster and they're struggling with sin pornography and yet they can't talk anybody about it in the christian church because nobody will listen to them or they're told they need counseling or they're told they need medication and like i said you can't counsel them you can't counsel a demon you can't medicate one to make it forget you demons let me tell you where they came from they came from the fallen angels way back in Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 through 14. And according to the traditions of the ancient Jews, um, the book of Enoch, book of Jasher, and these other books, they kind of give you an insight where demons came from. Basically, they said they came from the Nephilim. And they came from, I guess, what you would call how the, and the fallen angels experimented with animals and human DNA. Jasher says they mixed species together. And so... These entities roamed the earth looking for a body to control, to live through, to ruin, to stain God's name. They, they, they come here to steal, kill, rob, and destroy. They roam about looking for somebody to possess, a city to possess, to control. Demons look to possess what we own with land, cities, communities. And I want to talk about possession for a second, brothers and sisters. There's two Greek Bible words that translate into the English as possess. The first Greek word is demonize or demonizai. And it's from, uh, it means in the classical Greek, it means to be violently controlled or be under the power of a demon. The demon acts as both part of the man and independently of the man. It's better translated as demonized. It just simply means being under the full sway, control, and power of a demon. One moment, you're under the sway of the demon. Next minute, you have your you can think for a second. Then you go back, and you go forth. And they control you. They demonize you. The second Greek word is tima, or timatas. It means to possess as own property. In fact, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 verse 1 sold property. And that word means, it means ownership. This word is not used in the Bible to denote someone being possessed by the devil. However, in our culture, our movies, our theology, this is the word we use to define what possession is as being owned. I want you to think about that. When Jesus went about, and like in Mark chapter 5, talking about the guy Legion, he was demonized. The woman who had the issue of blood had a spirit of infirmity. She was demonized. She was under the sway and control of an evil spirit of infirmity. So, brothers and sisters, there's a difference between demonized and being someone's property. You need to get that. And so a lot of ministers, they go out and they say, well, the, the devil can never own a Christian. Well, that is true. So what's it, what is it? 
Can a Christian be demon-possessed, owned by the devil? And the answer is absolutely no. The devil cannot own a Christian because the Holy Spirit of God owns us. We cannot be possessed or owned by a demon. But I will tell you, there are cases where I've seen people totally sold out to Satan in one way or another, and they're more than just demonized. Yes, they are controlled, but they're not possessed. I mean, they're not uh, owned by the demon. Christians cannot be owned by the demon, but there are non-believers out there that are certainly owned by Satan. We just had one guy that went through a school shooting here in Florida. How else are you going to explain that? You can't medicate that away. You can't counsel it away. The, person, the law enforcement needs um, some heads up and the ability in law enforcement to go after the guy before he does the shooting. Because you can recognize when someone is actually owned by a demon because they're absolutely bonkers. They have a fetish with murder, killing, robbing, or destroying. That's their mode of life. They write about it. They obsess about it. They are totally sold out about it. And I don't care what anybody thinks. When you have someone who's owned by the devil, he is not a Christian. That is somebody that is lost and given up to the devil totally. I've been on enough reservations and I've cast out enough demons out of people who are not saved and I know the difference between ownership and being demonized. So can a Christian be owned by the devil? Is absolutely no. But an unbeliever can. So next thing is Oops, I just lost, I dropped my paper here. So next thing is, so then the next question, can a demon actually demonize a Christian? Can a Christian be under the influence of a demon, under the control of a demon? And the answer is absolutely yes, they can. You can come under the control of a demon and it keeps you in bondage. It keeps you in bondage to your thoughts. It keeps you pushing your buttons. How? Well, the Bible reveals how a demon can demonize a Christian. I know people don't want to hear about it. They say, oh, Brother Brian's going off again. He's saying that Christians can be possessed. No, they cannot be owned by the devil. They can be demonized. How else are you going to explain Christians enslaved to pornography? Control, uncontrollable passion. They look at some member of the opposite sex and they obsess about it all the time and and think in sexual thoughts and impure thoughts all the time. This is way beyond the normal. How come some Christians have gambling obsessions? Jesus says you'll be free indeed. Why in the world do you say that Christians can't be demonized under the sway and control of a demon? I'm not talking about some demon sitting on your shoulder whispering in your ear. I'm talking about how the demons can control Christians. We, all, we can see clearly how a demon can possess and own a non-Christian. But a Christian is owned by God. So... How in the world can a demon demonize a Christian? Well, the Bible reveals that we are a tri-natured being. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and a body. When we are born again, our spirit man is perfect. However, our soul, heart, our soul and our heart needs a complete makeover. Our soul is not completely perfect, neither is our heart. 
what's the soul in, in the heart? Well, the heart is, is, is the production room of the soul. It's where all the issues of life come through. It's how we think. It's where all our thoughts come from. And it's the deep recesses of our mind where everything comes forth. It's where the wounds of our... That's why Jesus says he came to heal the brokenhearted. Why? Because... We get fractured in our heart, and our thought life, our imaginations become under the sway of the evil one. In fact, the Bible talks about the whole world being under the sway of the evil one. And so here you are, Christian, you're having these bad thoughts, you're thinking strange, you're doing these things, and you're totally oppressed by this stuff. And I want to tell you, you've been demonized, you're under the sway of something. Because you have a broken heart. The soul is, just, is, is your mind, will, and emotions. And so, here your whole soul, I'm going to include the heart when I say soul, needs a makeover. The soul and body are not perfect. It has to catch up to the Holy Spirit work in your spirit man. When you get born again, your spirit man is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Okay, you get a new nature inside of you, but your soul, what you think, is all messed up. <laughs> we still have those things. So, it is the soul and the body that demons who act like a thief, they seek to break in and become your roommates. What am I talking about? I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Are you fighting the same old sin, repeating it over and over again, and you just don't seem like you're getting free? How many times have you been fighting the same old sin? How many years? 30, 20, 10? Have no victory over it? It robs from you going out and ministering or witnessing because you feel so worthless, because you feel so guilty? Is there an area in your life that you are powerless to fight against, like pornog like pornography, lust, anger, bitterness? Do you live a sorry-eyed, sappy life? Everything is just, it, no, nothing will go right, it will all go wrong. Is that you? Do you live the low life? Think you can never rise above the low life? Well, folks, that's, you've become demonized. You are in bondage. That's what being demonized does. It puts you in bondage. For the Lord's sake, wake up, people of God. I got great news because I know the one who will set you free. That's Jesus Christ because the devil can't own you. Get that through you. The devil can't own you. You belong to God. Do you understand that principle? I've got great news. This is good news I'm teaching tonight. You can be free of the lust, the pornography, the bitterness, the angry, living that low life. You can be free of it, brothers and sisters. And there's other areas where you have thought lives where they're just so self-sabotaging. You, you want to cause yourself self-harm. You think catastrophic thing, things and torturous things, and you're a believer, but you can't talk to the pastor. You can't talk to anybody because nobody will listen to you. Because you, draw, you tried, and they put on a smiley face and slapped you on the back and told you not to worry about it. See a counselor. Take some drugs. Get happy. Remember, you can't counsel a demon, and you can't medicate one to make it forget. 
Not true. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the one who will set you free because the devil can't own you. You are owned by God. Guess what? Let me tell you how demons operate. Demons operate by entering a person through the wombs and sins that we receive in life. These make us open to them. Sins wombed our soul. Our people wound us in our soul by their actions, and that makes us open to be under the sway of the evil one. In fact, John chapter 10.10 tells us the devil is like a thief coming to kill, rob, and destroy. Brothers and sisters, that's how he operates. The devil seeks to enter into the sheepfold and stir up strife and division in a church to what? To kill, rob, and destroy it. How does he do it? He gets people to act according to the flesh, very carnal-minded. And then he does it by the lust of the eyes. You have superior knowledge and these people don't. You're a good skeptical Christian. There are no demons. You know, that, you know, and so all the strife enters in the church. Oh, you're such a know-it-all Christian. I'm so, you're so wise, and everybody else is wrong, and you're the only right one. And you create division and strife in the church. And the next thing is the pride of life. Pride of life, what's that? That's being totally arrogant. In a church world, people can be totally arrogant with the free gift of grace, with the gifts of the Spirit. They'd be totally arrogant and use these things with a condescending fashion. And it creates division and strife. Brothers and sisters, I pray in my prayer language an unknown tongue. It says to pray, you can pray in the Spirit. And the tongues of men are tongues of angels. I have a prayer language. But brothers and sisters, some people act arrogantly with this, and they end up dividing the church with that gift. That's how the devil operates. And it begins to murder, kill, and rob, and destroy the ways of God on earth. But I've got good news for you. Jesus came to set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's how demons operate. They want to control you, keep you under their sway. You're under their sway a little bit, then you're free a little bit and you're okay. Then you go back under this, you're going down the road and you start having pornographic thoughts. You have to run to your computer or whatever it is and get your fix. Under this sway, do you enjoy it? The devil seeks to slay your hopes and dreams. He wants to take you captive, so you end up doing the devil's will more and more, and more and more you become demonized. You get lost in pornography, and your marriage breaks up. You get a gambling addiction, your marriage breaks up. Your family breaks up. You get hooked on alcohol. You come under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Your whole life is shattered. And you shatter the lives of everybody around you. You do things you should not be doing. You come under the influence of alcohol. No, yes. You come under the influence of alcohol or drugs. But guess what? Also a demon behind that. Swaying you to drink. And getting, you, getting your emotions, your soul, mixed up soul, to act and think a certain way. They cause you to go rob somebody. And beat up somebody. You say you'll never hit your kids, but you took too much to drink and you end up beating your kids to a pulp. And you're a Christian. You're a deacon in a church. 
You're under the sway. You're demonized. Your soul, man, is a mess. The good news is that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He, and Jesus Christ as Lord of all, he came and he still does cast out demons out of people's lives. The woman with the issue of blood was set free. Myself have been set free, brothers and sisters. Back in the early 1980s, I had a spirit of rejection in me. It was bad. I was demonized by rejection. Rejection controlled me. I had to perform and make sure everybody liked me. The slightest bit of rejection, would I would be like, ooh. I'm glad I didn't have Facebook back then. If someone criticized me, I'd wilt. Or I'd beat them up, one of the two. Physically. Rejection drove me. I didn't want to be rejected. I hated rejection. And then one day, the pastor prayed for me and another guy. We got set free of that rejection, and it's never been back. It left. It went away, and it never came back. I'm not controlled by rejection. I no longer care what people think about me. Brothers and sisters, would you like to be that free where you don't have to worry about rejection, being abandoned, neglected, controlled by drugs and alcohol, lust, pornography, whatever the case may be? So like a thief that comes in the night to, to steal the sheep is how the devils demonize people. They go after the sheep that are on the fringe, brothers and sisters of God. They're on the fringe of the church or whatever. They're on the outside level. And he comes in, he steals them away. That's why it's good to be as close to the shepherd as possible. So how can demons oppress and demonize a Christians? After all, they can't own you. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 and 45 kind of tell you something about this. I'm going to read this passage to you. It really does. It tells you some principles and lays some truth foundations here that go way beyond just the parable. It's very true. I'm going to read these verses. That's Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of, out of a person, he goes through... Let me read this again. When an unclean person goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. Seeking rest, he finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. There is a principle and a nugget of truth in that that is beyond compare, brothers and sisters, how demons operate. When you get born again and saved, guess what? Your house is put in order, you're all swept, you're cleaned up. And know what a thief looks for? I worked in law enforcement, on the law enforcement side of things, and the criminal justice systems, and I can tell you what thieves look for. When I was younger running in the world, I know how thieves work. People who know me will know what I mean by that. But brothers and sisters, what do thieves look for is for a nice, neat, orderly house. You go up to the windows and go, wow, I like what they have in there. 
That's a nice stereo. That's a nice blessing. God got them. Oh, wow. Hey, they're not using any of these things, are they? And they are not home. It is empty, brothers and sisters. And so the thief breaks in. He finds that you left the window open. You left the door open. Somewhere you have a womb deep in your soul that leaves the window open. A crack in the wall. Any way that thief can get in because he knows he can get your stuff and set up shop in your house. In other words, he sees a crack in your soul, the window of your soul, the eye, may be open to lust, pornography, or your lust of, of other things. Just leaves this because you have a heart wound. You were maimed, you suffered a trauma, some sort of drama in your life. It's tormenting you. You've been through hell and back. Because how you were raised, or maybe a criminal came in, or somebody in your family uh, molested you, and you carry the weight of this on you, and it leaves an open wound. I got to tell you, demons are mean. They're cruel. They don't care how young you are. They don't care how old you are. They will attack an infant. They will attack the unborn. They will attack the old. It doesn't matter. They hate humanity. They only see humanity as one commodity. How can we get at God and prove him that he can't keep his promises? If God can't keep his word or his promises, then he's not God. And so the devil can exalt his throne above God. That's what they're doing. You're in a spiritual war, like it or not. And you're going through stuff, and the church, by and large, there are some good churches out there, are not dealing with this stuff that's hurting and wounded you in, 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 in your heart. Maybe you were young, and you grew up in a decent home, but the parents never hugged you and kept you at arm's length, and they put undue burdens on you like, well, you'll never amount to anything. Your, your big brother is better than you. Your big sister is better than you, but, but you, you, nah, nah, you, you won't amount to anything. And it cuts your soul. How would you like your mother and father to sit there and tell you that you got your first job and it's at um, a production, in production, for example, and you're working in some factory and you have aspirations to become a rocket scientist and you're just a young kid and you, you have the math ability and you have the brains to be a genius and yet your parents saying, nope, just get used to it. This job is about as best as you will ever get. So you better keep that job for 30, 40 years and just retire. Because you can't do any better than that. Doesn't that wound your heart, your soul? Does that sound like you? Something happened to you? And so what, what do we do with it? If you suffered a severe molestation or you suffered some severe trauma and you can't process the information as a kid, it drives you. It wounds your heart. It opens up the windows and the door so the devil can come in and rob you blind and manipulate and control you, your life, brothers and sisters. That's what happens. The thief comes into the house, brothers and sisters. It comes into your soul. 
Now, if a thief breaks into a regular house and, and sets up shop there and brings his friends in there and you come home, does the thief own the house or do you? I want you to think about it. Who owns the house? Who owns the soul? Do you own the soul, your own soul, your own house, or does the devil? You get a wound in your heart, you leave that open, the devil comes in and he sets up shop. And he ransacks your life because your house is empty. That's very important. It's like this. The enemy walks by your house, like it says in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 10. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things. He's looking at all the valuables inside your house, and he ransacks it. This is what he does. He tempts you. He says, hey, guess where you are? You're not in the house. You're outside your house. Because you carry this heart wound in your life. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? It allows a crack in there. The thief comes in, robs, kills, and destroys because the house is empty. Think about it. The house is empty. Christians, you get saved. You get born again. Things are swept up in order. And the pastors, the preachers, the ministers, they say, you can live any old way you please. You're under grace. So you start living outside your house. You don't keep your house filled with anything. I'm going to talk about being filled in a minute, what to fill it with, and how and the cure for this. Would you like to know? Stay tuned. I'm just telling you. I want to make sure. I want to pound this truth home. It is the wombs in our heart and soul that leave you wide open to be demonized. To sway one way a minute, you want to go for God, and then the demons come with the thoughts, you can't do that. You'll never amount to anything. You're trash. You're a lowlife. God will never love you. Look with you. You watch pornography. God hates you. And the devil begins beating you up. You know what happens? The devil comes up and his friends, they start living in your living room. One lives in the bedroom. Another lives in the basement. And they become your best friends. Hey, let's go out to drink tonight. Come up to the living room and let's party hardy and get drunk. Another person says, let's go up to the, to, to the, to the parlor room upstairs. Let's gamble. Let's go in the basement and real live and just live in woe and misery. You start entertaining these things and you begin to think those thoughts are you. The, who owns the house now? It's Jesus Christ. He owns your soul. You're born again. But the problem is you're living outside your house. Bringing in things you shouldn't be bringing. Because the devil walks about like a roaring lion. He walks about like these animals. They just want to tear you to shreds. They just come out and they act. They're like a ravenous dog. You go, oh, that's a cute little doggy. And you little puppy. You raise him. Oh, he's so cute. And then he turns into a ravenous wolf and attacks you. That's how demons operate. When you lust after someone, you do drugs, you do booze or be bitter. You just live a very bitter life. You live an unforgiving life. You open the window. Or you've been wounded in life and you are, find yourself easily used. People walk all over you like a doormat and you hate it. Why? And it brings all these thoughts and emotions up to the surface. And 
abuse. You set you up for abuse, and you get more wounds in life. All these things open the doors and the window, and the enemy sets up shop in the rooms. He begins pushing your buttons, telling you to come upstairs to party with it. Thus, a Christian can have a lot of critters in their soul. They can have a lot of critters. I call them critters, folks. Demons in you. You can be demonized. I see this all the time. We counsel. We, we talk to them. It doesn't do no good. But when you start to pray teach and teach a person how to be free and how to do something else, this message, the title of this message is um, Cleaning Your House. It's the title of the message. And Oh, the title of I just called this message An Empty House Can't Clean Itself. A lot of Christians, they get born again and they get saved and, uh, and your house is in order and it's all cleaned up and they go out and they go live in the world. They live their life like they're outside looking in, never receiving the blessings of God that are promised in and because their house is filled with all the goodness of God. They're not in the house because... The devil has got them outside doing a lot of works. You've got to mow the grass to be good enough for God. You're going to have to chop down the trees to be good enough for God. You're going to do this, do that, do, 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 and you're driving yourself crazy because you're trying to work yourself to God's favor. So you're separate from God, and you feel separate to God, and you see the blessings and all these people getting blessed, but not you. You're not worthy because you got a wound in your life. And guess what? The devil sees this empty. He comes in as his friends. Or you open up the door and you bring them in and you they set up shop. That is what happens to believers. They get saved. They get cleaned up, but never keep their house filled. So they find themselves worn down in sins. They never find the freedom. They find endless works outside the house, never getting enough done. That inner sanctuary of the heart is always looking in from the outside of life. Do you feel like that? Does that describe you, brothers or sisters? I'll tell you what an empty house, like I said before, looks to a thief. It's filled up with stuff that attracts the demons they want to kill and rob and destroy out of it. And make you and deceive you to think you're going to have a good time being killed, robbed, and destroyed. They do a good con job on you. Here, drink this drink and run with the run run with the pros here. Get drunk. Look at this. Oh, don't resist this. You're under grace. Just go for it. And you come back and you get a ministry opportunity and you go, Well, you know, I can't go on that ministry trip because you know I got this problem. You've been robbed. You tired of it? You tired of this endless battle with pornography? and drinking, and alcohol, and drugs. And I know Christians who struggle with alcohol, and suddenly um, the alcohol takes them to a bar. I know a person about six years ago, or, or no, probably longer than that, probably about ten now, went to a bar. He's a Christian. Went there, started drinking, and he got in a fight. Got thrown in jail. A professional man ruined his career and life for a little bit there. In fact, it pretty much did damage to it. A pillar of the community, a deacon in the church, hanging out in a bar because he could. He just felt like he needed a drink. I got to get away from the kids. 
Sounds good. Let's go get drunk. Bad idea. You came home, you smacked your kid, and ended up in jail. Then you walked back to the bar, and you got beat up. Yeah. The devil wants to kill, rob, and destroy. Are you tired of it, folks? An empty house is one not filled with the word of God. An empty house does not, you know, just think about it. An empty house is not filled up with the owner, but rather with stuff that attracts the demons. I want you to think about what I said. It is uh, An empty house is not filled up with the owner, but rather with stuff that attracts the thief. An empty house is not, it looks good, it's cleaned and swept, but nobody's there to maintain it. There's dust starts to collect. But all the items are there, and the thief goes, wow, it's dusty. This person is really vacant. He doesn't apply the word of God in his life. I'm coming in. He's going to be, he, man, he, he's lying food, baby. And seven more come up with his buddies, and they're pulling you in every single, pulling you every which way but loose. And your life's ransacking a mess. Come on, be real. You want freedom. Jesus said, whom the Son sets us free will be free indeed. And tonight we're going to be talking and praying for your freedom. I'm talking about, if you understand what I'm saying, I'm talking about mass de deliverance over the airways because I know my Savior. I know his power. I know who he is. And I know that. And I know what he can do because he's been doing it for centuries, despite what the skeptics say, despite how the superstitious people stain the name of Jesus. Brother and sister of God, your night is now. This is great news. You can begin to be free because I'm going to teach you, I'm going to share with you how. So how can you and I not leave our house empty? Well, you keep the house, I'll tell you, you keep your house filled with the word of God. And secondly, you seek to know the good shepherd to get close to him. Brothers and sisters, you keep your house filled with the Word of God. That's what you do. In other words, Christians get born again. They get saved. Their life's all nice and order. They never implement the blessings, the gifts, the callings of God. And they're growing dust. The thief walks by and he ransacks it and gets you in a pigsty. But if you... Fill yourself up knowing what the Bible says, the Word of God says. Start memorizing scriptures. Start hanging out in churches and start doing some Bible studies. And I want to tell you, I did a jail ministry for 10 years. I taught this stuff, what I'm teaching you now in the jail. I've seen marvelous results. But brothers and sisters, when you fill up your house with the Word of God, and I want to say to ministers, on Sunday you have this little outline you pass out and people fill in the blanks. That is the stupidest way to do an outline. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're keeping people empty. I'm going to tell it like it is. Wake up. People need the meat. They need the Bible. They need verses to read and to memorize and to look. This is what the pastor is. You might have to spend a little extra cash to make your outline a little bit bigger. Maybe one page at least, two pages, all the details. 
So a person can go back and read that Bible and look at those verses and understand what the Bible is actually saying, and you get the word in them. I did that for 10 years running a jail ministry, prison ministry. I wrote out my Bible study notes in expanded form, crammed them, handwritten them on these little tight packages, pieces of paper, both sides, back and front. The inmates took those into their pod and cell areas and they begin getting people saved in the pods and and all the i got a, a friend of mine who helped me we got awards and they for doing this because we reduce the recidivism rate the return rate of of repeat offenders in the county that i live in we also there was like a bible college inside the pods people weren't fighting each other they weren't fighting over someone stealing their commissary. They were holding Bible studies, praying for each other, because you gave them tools to keep the house filled with the Word of God. Do you get it? Most ministers are teaching you how to have your house empty. You don't need to pray, you don't need to read the Bible, and you don't need to memorize it because you're under grace. Or Jesus came to be to make you happy, wealthy and wise, and it's okay to go out to the bar and square dance and get drunk and that's a hoot owl. Hey, a deacon so and so does it every night. Isn't that right, deacon? And the deacon goes, Yeah. In the church, and everybody claps and shouts, and what are you? We live in a time period where we're not helping the people in the church keep their house filled with the Word of God. And nor do we teach them how to pray personal heartfelt prayers to get to know the Good Shepherd. Psalms 23 says this, brothers and sisters. Everyone knows. If you've been around long enough... You should know what Psalms 23 says. I got the whole thing memorized a long time ago. It's one of the first scriptures I memorized. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides waters of rest. He restores my soul. Oh boy, the Lord restores my soul. That means he heals your soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Yeah, the Lord leads me in the path of righteousness. I know right and wrong and how to do things for his name's sake. I'm just telling I'm telling For though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, you are with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What are you talking about a rod? That, that word rod in the Hebrew means a big old club. That club is not meant to hit the sheep. Here you are a sheep. God calls you a sheep. And Jesus Christ is the shepherd of our souls. He owns us. He owns the sheep. He owns us. And when you get filled up with the word of God and you know the shepherd, guess what? That club is for us not to hit you. If that thief comes over the wall to steal one of the sheep, that's I'm going to put it in a language you understand. That club is to beat the, you know, living what out of the thief. If a wolf tries to get into the sheepfold, that club is to give the beat that. And you know what out of that wolf that's attacking you. That's who we serve, folks. That's who owns us. And I, I believe, and I know for a fact, Jesus is tired of you people out there in the Christian community having 
been taught to how to keep your house empty and never filled. You've got to get close to the shepherd. You've got to learn how. We don't even teach how. We end up bringing the ways of the world or the occult in here, some mystical stuff to try to get to know God. No, you spend time praying. I tell you, the best way to get to know God is this. I'm going to give you a little nugget here, a little side note. It's not in my notes. A little truth here. I heard this. Uh, my pastor told me this. I told the congregation this. The best way to get to know God and to live a life that keeps your house full, a repentant life, folks, a repenting life, is to know that you can climb upon your Heavenly Father's lap and just look at Him and say, Lord, I blew it today. I was not a good reflection of you. I didn't do too well. Forgive me. Help me to know you more. Because I tell you what, when you pray an honest prayer that, like it says in 1 John chapter 1, 9, yeah, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. You have to be honest with the Lord. Moses talked to God face to face as one talks to your friend. Yes, the Lord is my shepherd. He has a big old club. That club's not meant to hit me. That's to hit, hit the wolf. That's to hit the thief coming over trying to steal me. Guess what? I'm going to butt my way through all the other sheep to get as close to the shepherd as I possibly can. That is how you keep your house. Think about it, folks. So you keep it filled with the word of God. An empty house cannot be maintained and kept in order if you remain outside drinking. Basically, an empty house is easy to spot. There's no activity and no life. Any life in your Christianity? What are you being taught or taught? Maybe I'm going to tell it like it is. Search for another church. If not, design a Bible study and start, start, start a fellowship of your own in your church or outside of your church. Start helping people. Guess what? That's what it is. Keeping the word of God in your house and developing this relationship with the Lord. You know that he's your shepherd. He know you know him. You get to know him. You admit to him. You, you, you tell him your faults. You tell him these things. And then you get in your Bible and you start studying and looking up what is God like and ask him to show you like Deuteronomy chapter 31, 32. The Lord is my rock. He is just. No iniquity in him. Exodus there where Moses encountered God and the Lord proclaimed his name. I'm God merciful, kind. I will not clear the guilty of their transgressions. I'll punish them. But he's merciful. He's kind. He's good. To whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Come on, you got to know that the Lord wants you to keep your house in order. In other words, have you ever seen a house clean itself? Have you ever seen an empty house clean itself and do, do maintenance? I never have. I've gone into a house that was 
a person who was on vacation. They told me to go over there and check on it because I had the keys, and they were gone a long time, and I had to go take care of it. The dust was thick. Guess what I had to do? I had to do some dusting. I had to vacuum. Man, there was, there was a lot of dust. The, the, and, you know, you need to clean your house. And you got to do some building and maintenance. If you're busy maintaining your house and doing housework and cleaning it, your house is full because you're involved with God cleaning your soul, cleaning your house, brothers and sisters of God. That's what it takes. You maintain your house. You stay close to the Lord. How? By feeding off the Word of God and living by it and memorizing it, and studying it, and get as much memorized and much inside of you as possible. It keeps the enemy out. You'll see somebody, and you'll say that you're attracted to, and the Lord says, speaks to you through the scripture, do not look at that, that woman that way. And you go, oh, Lord, forgive me, give me the strength, and you actually turn away, and you don't leer about it, you don't think about it, you don't obsess about it, because you've been free. We're going to talk about how to get free of that stuff just in a minute. So, you fill yourself with the Word of God and you get close to the Lord in a seeking type prayer. You're just seeking who the Lord is and you're seeking in the Bible how His character traits and you pray about how to better reflect Him. You will maintain your house. Devil looking to go, I can't go in that house, it's occupied. That guy's busy cleaning it. Holy Spirit's there too. Oh, the Lord's there. Oh, I, I, I'm staying out of here. And the devil will be outside yelling to you, Hey, come out. There's a party. Let's get drunk. You go, oh, I ain't going that way because the word of God says avoid drunkenness. Be sober-minded. I will not. You'll grow up and grow some moxie. So that's what it means, folks. I got great news for you, brothers and sisters of God. Jesus did not leave us orphans, and he grants us the authority to cast out the invaders, because why? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still cast out the thieves. He still has a club to beat the enemy with, the word of God, the sword of the Spirit. But Jesus still cast out demons out of people today. And the good news is even greater. Jesus did not leave us orphans. He grants us this very authority to do the same thing, to cast out the invaders. Because, brothers and sisters, because Christian, you are owned by God. Get in your soul who you're owned by. I'm owned by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the blood of the Lamb. I'm the one who defeated all the works of the devil. That's who I owns me. Get out of my house right now, demon. <laughs> Jesus said this to the 70 back in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20, when they returned from a great thing. Jesus gave them this disciple, 70 of his disciples, power and authority to cast out demons. And he said this. And the demons, I mean, they cast out demons, they healed the sick. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in verse 17 of Luke chapter 10, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I'm going to stop there. These are not real snakes, not real scorpions. 
Demons are always, uh, there's always archetypes in the Bible. Serpents, the devil came as a serpent. Scorpions, these are archetypes. You got to, you know, we'll talk about that in part two in a, in a bit, about, about how the Bible uses imagery. Because I keep my house full. I read the Word of God. I look at the imagery and I ask, Lord, what does serpents and scorpions mean? Demons. What about all these invaders that were invading Israel during the centuries? They represent archetypes of how demons operate. How they entice you. How lust enticed Samson to get his hair cut so he get beat up by the demons. Brother and sister, every scripture and Bible in there is for inspiration. Fill your house with the word of God. It does wonders for you. And he says... I give you, if you're a disciple of Jesus and, and you're born again, given you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, all, everybody say all, all power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Why would Jesus say that? He wants to keep you, your focus. You're owned by the Lord, and your name is written in heaven is why you're able to cast those things out of yourself, out of other people. And it's easy. I was up in Eagle Butte a few, I think it was last summer or somewhere, or maybe it was before that. And that's one of the native ladies. I asked her, why don't you come up, pull her out of the audience. She's, I know she's a strong Christian. She pulled her up and says, you need to pray for this person. So she began praying and she cast a demon out of it, out of this person. It was easy. She came up to me and goes, I didn't think I could do that. That was easy. And the person got free. Brothers and sisters, you have the authority. Jesus gave it because your name is written in the book of life. That means Jesus owns you. What are you doing hanging out in a cesspool? You have gifts and callings and talents of God in, in your life. And what are you doing? You're doing nothing. It's gathering dust. The thief looks in there and goes, wow, I can take every, every one of these things away and keep this Christian miserable. Do you enjoy being miserable? Well, let's talk about something else. How about, why don't you enjoy being free? So we're going to talk about how to be free and conclude with this. So, so how do you do house cleaning? If cleaning the house, then it's not empty. I mentioned two, thing, two things already. You fill yourself with the Word of God. Say that with me. I fill myself with the Word of God. Number two, you get close to the Lord. And you seek Him in prayer and talk to Him like your best friend. You tell Him everything. When you sing in the shower, sing to the Lord. He already knows what you look like. Ladies, before you put in your makeup, sing to the Lord. You're beautiful enough. Amen. I'm going to give you two more. We're going to conclude with this with a prayer of deliverance for you all. And then we'll go into part two here. You, you apply the blood of Jesus for forgiveness of sins, repentance, cleansing, and being a cleansing disinfectant. That's what the blood of Jesus is does. I'm going to talk about that in part two a little bit more. The power of the blood of Jesus is powerful, but you don't stop there. 
just applying the blood. I know Christians, by faith, apply the blood of Jesus, say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and transgressions, wash me clean, and they stop there. They never go on to realize there's a second part to it. Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. He'll quicken your mortal bodies. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? When Jesus was raised from the dead, that means the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that means you have resurrection power in you. God's resurrecting power to seal your windows, to seal the cracks in your walls, and seal your door and lock your doors to keep the demons out. You have resurrection power, so you no longer have anything in common with the enemy. The problem is people don't apply the power of his resurrection to their souls. They know about the blood, but they don't know how to be raised up out of the ash heap because being resurrected from the dead out of your ash heap is largely forgotten these days. It may come at once, but it always comes in several different cleanings, folks. It's like you apply the resurrection power and it sweeps and cleans you up. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Jesus gave us authority to trample on the serpents and scorpions because we have resurrection power. Our name's in heaven. We have his dunamis, mighty, miraculous power to heal our moral compass, to give us a moral compass so we know what to do right more than we do wrong. It makes our soul whole sound that we can re actually, actually reflect the light of the Lord. Right now, I'm going to pray for you all. We're going to talk about the blood and the resurrection power in part two, so you actually know how to apply this. But I want to begin, because I know some people will hear this, they probably won't ever hear me again, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to pray with me right now. We're going to look in the next lesson a little bit more on the blood and the resurrection power, but right now it's time to get the invaders out of your house. I want you to re pray and repeat with this prayer with me, okay? By faith. I want you to have a point of contact. I want you to put your hand on your heart, lift out, lift up your hands as you're doing this. If you're listening over the radio, you're in private, you know, lift out your hands like like in a, in a, in a position of help. I need help. Or you can raise your hands high, or you can put your hand on your heart, your stomach, put your hand on top of your head. As a point of contact, contact by faith. I'm just asking you to do this. And while you're doing it, I want you to think where the enemy has come into your life. If you're hooked on pornography, drunkenness, bitterness, you're letting bitterness ruin your life. Where, just think for a moment, where did you leave the doors and windows open for the devil to come to demonize you, to govern your life, to make you sway one way and sway the other way? Never finding your freedom. I want you to think about that. So I'm going to pray. I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And I ask to be forgiven for not filling up on your word and not spending time with you. Your blood atones for my sin. Your blood cleanses me. And by your blood, I have peace before you. Lord Jesus, I left my house empty. Forgive me. Wash me in your blood. Make me clean. Make me sound. Cleanse me by the power of the blood of Jesus. 
of all bitterness, resentment. Cleanse me of every wound, every hurt, every window I opened. And by your blood, by the power of the blood, release me from the sins of the generations of the soul and all soul ties that wounded me and controlled me without me knowing it, all the way back to Adam. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for being unforgiving. Teach me how to love. Because, Lord, I'm afraid to love. I was betrayed. I was abused. I was neglected, abandoned. I was rejected. I was mocked. I was told I would never amount to anything. I made myself perform for approval. And these broke my heart and opened all my soul to let the enemy control my life. I let the enemy steal my possessions. I let the enemy steal my finances. I let the enemy steal my health from me. I ask you to wash me in the blood of Jesus and cleanse me of this control in Jesus' name. We're not done yet. Going to have to ask for the resurrection power, so keep praying with me. Now I ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit power, that resurrection power, that miraculous power that's inside of me by the new birth. I ask that that gift be stirred up right now. It's falling upon you right now. Miraculous power to grant me to know how to do right and avoid doing wrong. I ask for your resurrection power to heal my soul and broken heart from having anything in common with the devil. By your power, make my soul excellent, sound, and whole. So I have nothing open to the devil to come in. I have nothing in common with the devil. Resurrection power of God. I call upon the resurrection power of God that's already in me. Because I'm born again, I have the Holy Spirit. Well up in me, heal my soul. Make my soul excellent and sound. So I have nothing open to the devil. He can't come in anymore. I repent, Lord. I promise to fill my house with your word and seek you in prayer and disinfect my house with the blood of Jesus. Keep your word in my heart. And by your resurrection power, your Holy Spirit power, raise me up out of the ash heap I'm in. The ash heap I've been dwelling and heal my soul and mend my broken heart. Your blood washes and forgives me of all my failures to be a better reflection of you on earth because I left the windows and doors open and my house empty. Forgive me, and by your resurrection power, raise me up to shut these doors, windows, and cracks. Make my soul excellent, sound, and whole. Make me sober-minded. Ground it totally in you. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit resurrection power now. Heal my soul in the name of Jesus. Right now, just soak in that. Right now, brothers and sisters, we're going to be going through a little break, but I just want you, I know right now some of you are feeling some stuff, some stuff's coming off of you. That's how simple it is. We're going to go in a little more detail in part two. Right now, it looks like we need to get 
with uh, the program here. I went a little long on there. Go ahead, Brother Shannon. Praise the Lord. Folks, we're live with Minister Brian Melvin. We're excited to be here tonight. Great message tonight, folks. And there's more where this comes from. I want you all to stand by as we make the transition to the second hour. I'm going to save this. We'll be right back. Hold on. Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you.